everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Thank you. Yes. Okay, we're live. Um, hi, kids. I'm just going to make hi, sure that we're... Hi, fam. Hi, EC Famalam. Okay, I did that question um, post, so I'll just start rolling through them. And well, it's all working good and proper. Good and proper. Okay, excellent. Here's a good place to start, because I think this is a lot of people. Help for shift workers what to do when you're working nights, etc. And like the simple answer to this is just like, it, it's still calorie balance over time that matters. So yeah. remember that. But like certain tips, and I find this is interesting because I've had this discussion with like different coaches and with different clients. And for example, Amelia, what actually, what did she do? God, now I can't remember what her tip was, but it was something like she she didn't have anyone eat fats during the night for some reason and I can't remember now and and some people like to sort of still try and stick to their usual meal timings which in an ideal world would be great but it's completely unrealistic for other people like depending on what your shift work is and how active you are um but what have you found is like useful for people who work shift works work shift works who works for people who works shift works um there's a there's a there's a few different angles to look at this, which is why I'm not surprised that Emma's saying that different coaches have different takes on it. Um, the first thing I would say is first and foremost, let's just talk about it from like a biological point of view. You're, the human body works in a circadian rhythm. That's a body clock. Okay, so that's like literally every cell, every organ in your body is working on, on a body clock. And the way that this body clock is basically programmed, uh, there's a few different factors. So the first thing is um, hormones so basically for example when you wake up in the well okay we'll start with light the first thing is daylight okay so when you wake up in the morning uh and your room is lighter than it was when you went to sleep uh it tells your body that it's time to get up and then your body is flooded with cortisol which is a stress hormone which basically gets you up and basically moves you out right uh, the next thing that happens is food intake. Um, the second that you, your, your body starts digesting and you start eating food, um, your metabolism kicks off and it tells you you're awake and off we go. It's time to start the day. Now, I'm not by any means saying that you have to shine a light in your face, get up and go and eat some food. That's not what I'm saying. But these are just various factors which will affect your circadian rhythm. Um, and basically, as you progress throughout the course of the day, um, kind of hormones change, metabolism changes, energy levels slow down. Um, and you're ba- you're ba- basically, your body tells itself that it's time to program down because you're going to bed soon, which is why things like time-restricted feeding slash eating um, are a good idea for people who have sleep problems, okay? And things like light manipulation, you know, we often talk about different lights, um, you know, to, to kind of have on when you're going to bed, when it's getting later and when you're waking up. So when you think of it like that, it's really just a case of manipulating your body clock, if you can, into thinking that it is day. Um, and the best ways to do that are, again, lighting and food. Now, I would I would say exactly what Emma said, first and foremost, it's shocking the amount of people who seem to think that I don't know, like night is this time where you don't eat. But if you're a shift worker and nights when you're awake, that is your day. That is your day. So start treating your night like it's your day. You make sure that, and if you have to set alarms on your phone to do this, absolutely go for it. You have a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner, snacks. If you're struggling because you're not at home and it's the middle of the night, you're just going to have to meal prep. It's just something you're going to have to do. Um, And I I do understand that people like to play with different macronutrients based on these kinds of things, like what Amelia was saying about body fat. And there's a lot of evidence in terms of athletes as well, manipulating macros at different times of day and why and when. But I would just say, look, if you're looking to get in shape, it's all the same rules apply, as always. Um, And that is what I would say. Emma? Yeah, you're right. The two defining things are going to be getting in enough protein and getting in the right amount of calories in your 24 hour period, no matter how you split that up. 
that's like the the basics that's the real simple part and like that is what will get you results but how you implement that so that you can actually stick to it and it's enjoyable and it's you're able to adhere to it and you perform well and your concentration is good and like all these aspects that's kind of like the the art of coaching and that's like what we're going to help you do but equally it takes a lot of trial and error like what works for one person won't work for another depending on your jobs it also depends on if you're a shift worker who works or always works night shifts which in some ways is much easier because you can get into a new routine but if you're someone who's like oh, i work three three days nights and then i have a break and then i do days and then i do nights again it's way harder to do that and i don't want to scare anyone but the the research is quite like scary in many ways in terms of its impact on metabolic health and there's loads of things you can do about that and you're already doing the right things like not overeating and storing too much body fat, making sure you exercise, making sure you're active. But there does seem to be this sort of metabolic dysregulation in shift workers. And that is to do with what Chloe was talking about, the circadian rhythm and your body not really like being in its usual patterns, which to some extent you can change. But then as I was saying, if you're going from days to nights to days to nights, you don't really have enough time to get into this routine. So from a practical perspective, what I would do is plan ahead. Like that's what you have to do is just make sure that even looking at things like decision fatigue, are you getting home from a really long shift, not having eaten enough and then just having whatever's in the house or whatever you can grab in Tesco on the way home? Like you'll probably make really poor decisions then. So foresee that and make sure that you plan what your meal is going to be whether it's you're coming home from nights and you're having a breakfast and then going to bed, like plan that meal. What are you going to have? Do you have that food in? So it really just comes to planning. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It should be fucking illegal to change people's shift like that because that is, I mean, there is, there's so many factors as to why that's so bad. It's crazy, isn't it? Because it's normally like NHS workers. I know, I, but we were just talking about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're noticing a lot of ironic things at the moment. But um, I would also say that um, in terms, of, look, in terms of training, look at your week, and this applies to all of you. If you have like crazy Monday to Fridays, and then you have the weekends off, for example, train on Saturday and Sunday, and then pick pick one or two days in the week where you can train. But you don't have to train you know, Monday through Friday, if this is your like crazy, crazy time period, you can be, you can give yourself a bit of a break. And then when you have time, do it in terms of shift work. I would say, I mean, I would say I would probably just do what I would normally do with clients and say, get up and fit in half an hour, 45 minutes before your shift work. You'll probably actually find as well that that might have a really good impact on a metabolism and B, energy levels throughout your shift. Um, I think that would probably be a really good thing to do. I would prefer that you did that kind of before your shift started than after. But Emma's right. It is going to be trial and error. And um, we're here to help you out. But you are going to have to just see what works for you. Yeah. And, and I think in some ways it's like quite freeing. And I mean this more broadly in terms of like what diet is going to work best for you to know that like the principles are a moderate if fat loss is the goal like a moderate calorie deficit or whatever your goal is really the calories that are appropriate to your goal and getting in enough protein and everything on top of that now i'm talking about for like your sorry like body composition goals not for optimal health there are obviously other very important factors in your diet but knowing that those two are like the primary things that are gonna that you need to get right kind of frees up a lot of things like that's why so many different diets work that's why there isn't one best diet and why you'll find people who did amazing on swimming world amazing on keto amazing low carb amazing low fat like who really enjoy paleo and that's what works for them if there was like one specific diet that was best like quote unquote best we would already know about it like it's so individual and you can see that just from speaking to different people and how they found different diets So it's quite freeing, but it also means that you have to figure out what works best for you. And we're obviously here to help you do that. Mm. And we can kind of tell like what's sensible and what's not sensible. (laughs) And there are better diets and worse diets, but yeah, there isn't one set thing that you have to do. So you do have some flexibility in that. Yeah, agreed. Okay, next question. 
Although it's our decision what goals to choose, it would be great to understand your views on your views on goal setting. What methods work for you? I always set goals in brackets geek um, for myself personally and professionally, but from a fitness point of view, apart from weight loss, and that's the extent to my goal setting. Um, thanks, and sorry I can't make the live today, but I will catch up later during my workout. Oh, and someone's just said, can I add to this one? I set myself goals, but sometimes struggle with specificity. <laughs> Nailed that word. Um, like I'm not always sure what my goal is until I'm already halfway there. This is such a good question and so timely given that it's like almost 2021. Yeah. I mean, okay, look, I'll just caveat this by saying I'm a big fan of goal setting, both from a personal and a professional standpoint. I tend to find that I achieve things um, quicker more enjoyably and you know actually achieve them when I have a goal um same with my clients however that being said I know there are some people out there and we've had this a few times on the EQ method who are like I don't want a goal I kind of I like where I'm at and I just want to stay here like help me now they might find that halfway through they're not wanting a goal they get really bored they're falling off the wagon it's getting really hard and that's why we're like maybe you should maybe just pick a goal um so there's also two ways to look at this in terms of um, progress uh, physiologically, whether it's performance or physique. So you're talking about, you know, endurance or strength or how you actually look. Um, setting goals is, you know, if you have a long term goal and you work backwards from there and you break it down into bite sized goals, you're going to, again, like I say, whether it's performance based or whether it's physique based, uh, you're going to really enhance both as you progress towards it. So there's that. And then there's also behavior, just enjoyment, having something new to do or something new to achieve, you know, at various points on your health and fitness journey. It's going to make it more fun. It's going to keep it challenging and it's going to keep you, um, I, I think, passionate about what you're doing um, as opposed to just for the sake of doing it. What's, what's, what's the point? Um, so, yeah, I think both physiologically and psychologically, there's a goal. I cannot tell you um sorry there's a there's a benefit I cannot tell you what your goal should be or how to achieve it that's on you uh this is why you have coaches you tell us what it is and we then help you get there um but the journey would be different for everybody depending on that end goal Emma yeah I think you're right like it has to excite you that's why we can't tell you what your goal can be or should be even um and then like just to touch on that as well like I had a discussion with someone in the group today who was like oh I'm not sure if I'll stay on for this round because I've achieved my goals. But I also have like FOMO and I'm worried about missing out. And I'm like, you don't need to always have a goal. Like many people, I've worked with loads of clients who are like, I just like working with you. Like I just enjoy exercise and I enjoy my check-ins. It's part of my life and it benefits me. Like there doesn't always need to be this like specific thing that you need to achieve before you feel like you're successful or before you feel like you've ticked something off. Like, you can just do it because you enjoy it. Like there's loads of things in your life that you do because you enjoy. And we would hope that like being part of this group is that as well, that you don't, a lot of people have reached the stage now, especially like some of the grads where I don't think they need us. Like they don't need us, but maybe they want us. Like they want to stay, which is good. And you don't have to need something to keep doing it. hundred percent, yeah. So that's one thing, but I do, like I really like this question I think goal setting is really hard especially if you're not 100% sure what you want your goal to be yeah and then you're almost like forcing yourself to do it it's like forced gratitude when you're like find something you're grateful for and it means nothing because it's forced like oh yeah so happy that I have this pen in my hand so I can write notes like no you're not like it doesn't mean anything to you but one thing I found quite useful when thinking about goals going forward, and I will share this in the group, but I created like a bit of a review of 2020 and it basically just asks a couple of questions about your year, what you enjoyed, what you didn't enjoy, what you want to see more of, who you enjoyed hanging around with, what your favorite moments were. Like looking back to see the parts of like your year or more broadly your life that you enjoy most or that bring you the most joy or that you felt your best in and then going forward like really broadly like the goal is no matter how you break it down at the end of the day to be like a happier healthier fitter stronger version of yourself 
but it's quite hard to identify those things in context without like looking back but I actually think looking back can help you set goals going forward so like one of the questions is like who did you I think something like who did you spend time with this year that really made you feel good cool like it was so and so can you now spend more time with that person like can you like that and your goals don't have to be fitness specific it could be like oh yeah do you know what I really enjoyed this year that I hadn't been doing before is listening to podcasts okay one thing I want to do this year is make sure I listen to more podcasts or I don't know it doesn't always have to be exactly fitness specific but looking back will help you realize like what you're getting the most enjoyment out of in your life and then probably put more of your emphasis in those areas and I think we've spoken about this before like the whole 80-20 rule where actually like 20% of your time and effort is getting you 80% of your results but it's figuring out where that 20% is or what that 20% is so that you can then put more time and effort into that to get you more results and stop wasting your time into other things so having a like a bit of a review and and like looking back and getting some perspective and just like take some time to do this sit down with a cup of tea and like don't rush it don't do it on your phone or I guess you could do it on your phone but like sit down and relax and do it and I think that will help you set goals going forward for the next year I think that is just absolutely spot-on advice first of all I, I think and we've talked about this before on one of the EC methods I can't remember how or why we got to it but the importance in actually taking time and I do mean like an hour or two to just sit down and think we again we talked about this last time what do I want my future to look like? Like long term, what do I want? And again, I use the example of, I don't mean like, I want to be rich, you know, although that's perfectly fine. But like, what do you want your day-to-day life to look like when you get up and and sit down and think and like start to think out a plan. You don't necessarily have to write one down, but you just need to start to become aware of what you want and think about how you're going to achieve it. And Emma is like, bang on point. The only real way you're going to know that is if you look back at your life so far and you look at what fulfilled you, what makes you happy, what makes you feel like the biggest badass in the world the best friend in the world the best partner in the world like what are the things that bring you joy and then you can apply them to your future and you're completely right you don't necessarily know in the immediate moment because in the immediate moment all we're doing is just surviving that's it I think that's really brilliant um but also like don't be scared I mean look I have goals big goals and I'm also I also take breaks you know, we talked to in the last podcast, like I literally have not have been very like laissez faire about everything physiological for the last five and a half months. And I suppose the goal was that really it was just to get to a point where I, I felt refreshed enough to kind of think about something, get myself back on a quote unquote track. Um, but sometimes it's actually quite nice because it, it means that you really appreciate the downtime when you're like, actually, I just want to I just want to roll with this. I just want to be fluid like water and just, I don't want to have to constantly be like gunning towards something. Um, And Well, I think that shows like an amazing like mind and life balance, which is obviously what we're striving for. But we've spoken about this before, how we put these like professional athlete level people on a pedestal or like people that do ridiculously amazing workouts every single day. And we're like, I'd be more impressed to see them not work out today or I'd be more impressed to see that person who has like the cleanest diet possible eat a bit of chocolate without going off track like so I think proving to yourself that you can do that is impressive too and I and and I think like we were just talking before we came on you're like I I think I've really built a significant amount of muscle and I'm excited to see like when I do decide to get lean again what I've done yeah. I think taking a step back and it, I mean it's not a step back it's just a slight change isn't it that you've obviously still been working hard but without the same rigidity of the diet it gives you perspective you know and also can I think we're in this weird generation now where I think people seem to think that like self-love and self-acceptance and being able to take take a step back should just happen like that when you read a great meme, when you read a meme that really speaks to you. And I'm not taking the piss, there's loads of memes I read and I'm like, wow, that's profound. <laughs> Wait, do you know when I, sorry, I'm sure you're about to come on to such a good point, but I need to tell you, in fact, it, was, it wasn't a meme, it was an article I read and it was like, hate to break it to you, but you are the reason your life sucks so much. And I was like... <laughs> so spot on Emma as well that's so Emma that's so James they have really similar perspectives (laughs) like that um 
Yeah, but I think we're in this whole thing where everyone's like, oh, I'm going to look at Hayley Madigan's post and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to love my cellulite. No, no, no. It takes ages to work on yourself, to unpick some of the, the knots that you've tangled in your head that you don't even know are there or that you're tangling when you're tangling them and actually start to implement, as Emma said, what you want looking back and what you want next year to look like, like how you want to improve your life. Do you think that like two, three years ago, I would have taken five and a half months of caring what I fucking look like? Uh, are you joking? It takes time. Like you've got to work, like much like you have to work on yourself, on your body, you've got to work on your mind as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's absolutely fantastic advice, Emma. I love that. No, you're so right with the mindset thing. Like I think some people think it will just be a quick fix. Or even when they like come to coaching with us, it's like, okay, so what can I do to change my mindset? And I'm like, all of this for eight weeks, like call yourself out on your negative bullshit. Like listen to the podcast, open your mind to to different views of things, question your own thoughts. That's the hardest thing to do. It's like, oh, why do you think your cellulite is disgusting? Yeah. Like why? There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, most people have it. Like, yeah. (laughs) But you don't question that in yourself. Anyway, it, it's a lot of hard work. It's much harder than the physical. Yeah. And also just lastly on that, on like the why do you think your cellulite is bad? And, it, you know, absolutely initially blame it on, well, because society has told me it's bad. Great place to start. If you're still <laughs> ending up there, you're not you're never going to get anywhere because then you have to be like, okay, so now I know that it's time to start to let that go. And again, that's not going to happen overnight. This is going to be a constant thing every time you look at it and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> you have to be like, no, no, no. What am I doing? Um, so it might start with it being somebody else's fault, but ultimately you're the only person that's going to change it. And if you're not working to change it, it's your fault. And mm-hmm. that's that. And I think we mentioned this like every podcast, but I think it's so important to go over that like all this comparison and, and yeah, you can blame the media for these things, but it's not going anywhere. So yeah. you just have to change. Like you have to change the way you think about things. You have to accept that, okay, you you call out those things, especially in your own head, but then you have to change the way you think about it because there will, unless you blindfold yourself and walk through life blind, even if you were blind, like <clears throat> you always compare yourself to others, always. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to make sure that you're doing it from like, in a positive way yeah because it's unavoidable right okay next question i increased my calories from 1500 um oh no wait i increased my calories to 1500 um it feels so much better i'm hitting my protein my steps and the gym my weight has stayed the same i don't need to lose weight i'm i'm 52 kilograms um but i do have fat to lose is it possible not to lose weight, but only fat? Also, like, not to... Just because this is... It, obviously, it says... Um, by the way, I'm not picking on you because everyone does this. Everyone. But it also says um, loose instead of loose, obviously. Nobody writes loose. It's like... Choose uh, and chose. I don't... Loose, yeah, loose. I don't have any fat to loose. To loose. <laughs> Anyway, so she's got some weight to lose, but not any fat to lose. <laughs> Sounds like I'm saying to lose. And to lose, um, <laughs> James nearly signed for Toulouse, which is a really famous rugby club once. And I was like, why would you go over there? Don't you want your team to win? <laughs> He's like, fuck off. Everyone says it. And now I can't hear, can't hear it, not hear it. Okay. Um, first of all, 52 kg is very, very, very tiny, um, even if you're tiny. So yeah, you... but she's not got any weight to lose. Just fat to lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe having a little look at you might might help us. I just like to be sure when I hear low weights like that. I've had clients before who I've worked with throughout a plan and then they haven't sent me a picture until the end of the plan. And I've looked at them like, wow, we need to bring you up now. And I didn't know. Uh, this is just a coaching learning curve. So maybe looking at some photos before you take on any of this advice. But the the next thing I would say, yes, it is absolutely possible to lose body fat and not lose weight. Uh, there are obviously we talk about the more immediate factors, which could be affecting daily or weekly weigh-ins. Um, you know, uh, such as kind of uh, fibrous foods, um, food volume. Uh, I mean, there's so there's so many immediate things that can be affecting it, menstrual cycle. And then more long-term things, like, again, if you're kind of a bit new to lifting, potential to gain muscle mass as you drop body fat, meaning the scales level out. Um, so it is possible. 
Um, but if your training age is quite old, like if you've been doing this for a while, again, we, we need to see photos. Emma? I would focus on, I mean, yeah, we need to see photos to see what your body composition is, but we really yeah. want you to be building muscle now. Yeah. And, and if you're sitting around maintenance, lifting heavy weights progressively over time, you will build muscle. Yeah. And, and I would prefer that you err on the side of a bit of a surplus. So I would probably keep trying to push those calories up slightly. Uh, and I love that you're feeling so much better on these higher calories. I think that's a good, it's a good sign it's going in the right direction. And the other thing is that you will, as much as you have this, these metabolic adaptations coming down the way when you diet in terms of moving less, becoming more efficient, they reverse on the way back up. Yeah. So you will be able to in increase your calories a bit more than that and not put on any body fat. And then you'll be fueling your workouts better and hopefully building a bit of muscle. So that's the position we'd want to get you in. But do send us a progress photo, please. Uh, yeah. And also just to touch on metabolic adaptation. If you guys have, if anybody has been significantly under eating um, and overtraining for a significant period of time, you can have quite, quite severe metabolic adaptation occur. But I don't want that to panic anybody and be like, oh, my God, I fucked it. No, like, relax. Exactly what Emma said. And I really want to drive this home. That can happen in the reverse. Now, the thing is, it might take some time and it might be annoying for you because you'd rather be in a fat loss phase. And now you're working your calories up. But ultimately, it's going to do you, your physique and your life nothing but good it's a really important thing to do so if that is you please don't be scared if you're like wow i'm maintaining on 1500 calories this sucks you we got to keep working you've got to keep bringing it up and i guarantee you in a year's time you'll be so fucking glad you did it i agree and i think that that myth or like the fear around it was exacerbated by this like metabolic damage idea where it was like yeah. irreversible damage to your metabolism if you diet which isn't the case like these things are reversible there there might be some adaptation it's quite a small amount that you but yeah. it's basically you're staying a little bit more efficient because you've previously dieted yeah. but it's not like to the extent that oh i could i have to live on a thousand calories a day like it's not it's just not and all the time when that when <clears throat> someone comes to us with like in that position it's an adherence issue and the issue is that you're trying to stick to too lower calories and then you're binging like yeah 99 times out of 10 yeah like, out of 10 out of 100 99 times out of 10 that's a Simon Cowell quote um yeah it, it Emma's completely right more often than not you you don't realize actually that it's behavioral that could be like neat adaptation specifically which does count as metabolic adaptation but just specifically that one thing without you realizing it um or it can literally be that you're not aware of actually how much you're eating. Maybe you're not tracking accurately. Maybe you're going over and thinking, oh, it only happens once in a blue moon. It's not important. Still to this day, shocks me how many people are like, I'm so good. I mean, I have the weekends off. And I'm like, why are we still having the same conversation? Um, but proof of it is, is the bodybuilding world. You know, good bodybuilders who have been competing uh, drug-free, because that does make a difference, who have been competing for years and years and years and years and years, what, how do they manage to get leaner when, each time they hit the stage? Uh, and a lot of them do because they are taking time away from the stage because they are gaining back some body fat. They are increasing metabolic rate. They are increasing muscle mass. Again, all of this does fall under um, metabolic rate. And and it, it's absolutely doable. But the problem is, is that I think the gem pop are just kind of always constantly trying to diet, trying to get skinny, trying to diet, trying to get skinny, like all these things. And there's never an off period. There's never a time where they're like, okay, like there is such a thing as like a cutoff point from dieting, even if you still have body fat to lose. Because mentally, behaviorally, it's going to get really, 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 really fucking hard. Agreed. <clears throat> okay. What's the deal with fitness trackers? Seems like everyone and their mother's dog has one. <laughs> Other than uh, step tracking, how else can they benefit body transformation process? I don't feel as though I need to monitor my heart rate. I generally know when I'm in a cardio hell <clears throat> um, or use gadget linked to Wi-Fi to track my sleep. Oh, the irony. <laughs> um, what am I missing, question mark? And if you think they are beneficial, which one would you recommend? 
Yeah, so uh, they are great for tracking steps, and that really is, is an important thing for, for health and physique goals. Um, in terms of like heart rate monitor, you just don't need it. You know, if you're an athlete, like a chest a chest monitor is probably better. I know James wears one; he's obsessed with fitness. Um, but the watches are likely inaccurate, and also the easiest thing to do is just put your fingers on your pulse and count how many beats on a timer of six seconds. And times it by 10 and there you go. That's your beats per minute. And it's going to be 10 times more accurate than a techie watch. So there's that. Um, calories burned during a session, likely very inaccurate. Um, so there really isn't much point. No, in terms of monitoring steps, Emma says, you know, get a fucking pedometer. It doesn't need to be fancy. I have an Apple watch just because James gave me one a couple years ago. Uh, Fitbits are all the rage. That's fine. I don't actually think the old Fitbits even measured steps, but I think they all do now, obviously. Um, so, yeah, much of a muchness. Emma, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on fitness tech. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's... I think it's it's quite annoying as a coach sometimes because people get so obsessed with it. And then despite the fact that we're always saying like, we've accounted for your exercise levels within our calorie estimations for you, they're still eating back calories that they've expended. And just, it's almost like you're trusting your watch more than your own body. Like, okay, well, like clearly you're putting on weight eating this much food. So even if your watch is telling you, yes, this is how much food you should be eating it's clearly not because your body is much more accurate in terms of what's actually happening, what you're actually expending and what you're actually taking in than my fitness pal or than your uh, <laughs> Fitbit. So bear that in mind. I, I do kind of like resonate with the people tracking their sleep as well. I think often it's like over, unless you're having problems with your sleep, you probably don't need to be tracking it. And sometimes but even then it's not accurate. Well, it's not accurate, but it's also like sometimes you stress even more about it because you're like, oh, I, I think I had a really good sleep last night, oh, but my watch says that I didn't. Who are you going to believe? Like, And some people believe their watch. They're like, oh, I'm not getting good enough sleep. I need to change this, this, and this. And then you're stressing over the fact that you're not getting good sleep. And it's like this vicious cycle. I agree. I think like it's so useful for steps. And it's pretty, even if it isn't accurate, because I know that there's been a few people who have worn like a Fitbit and an Apple Watch and been like, oh, look, there's 500 steps different at the end of the day. It doesn't really matter as long as it's consistently inaccurate, which I think in terms of um, steps, they usually are. You can get really cheap versions. Like you can get something that looks like a Fitbit for like seven quid that's effectively just um, a pedometer and a watch on yeah. Amazon like you don't need to be spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds on these things um heart rate again you can look at that data you probably wouldn't do anything with the data like this yeah, is the other thing now you can do things like you can get continuous glucose monitoring like so, one of my friends has it <laughs> like, it's why? cool like I'm a geek I love that kind of stuff but like why what am I going to do with that information oh look I've eaten a meal oh my glucose has gone up <laughs> yeah like of course it has like it's quite cool to see from a geeky perspective yeah but like i don't know i think a lot of the time i'm like what will you do with this information like people tracking their heart rate variability yeah what are you going to do with it is it just going to stress you out even more um so yeah just get a pedometer i would say or you can just use your phone yeah yeah, I agree. Like the My Fitness Pal thing. Oh my god! Like how many times have I had to say like My Fitness Pal is not your coach. Like don't listen to it. But like even Emma and I were having this conversation the other day. Like we use my new book, the My Fitness Pal database, to do the calorie and macro breakdowns. And it was a big thing of like, should we or shouldn't we? Like we should because every that's the most used uh, tracking app in the world, and it's probably got the most vast database. So therefore two points in its favor and in the book I say look I recommend it as a tracking app but you know there are other databases that you know would have given different calculations and different spat out different numbers but we're going with what people are using um and I'm still in two minds about it but there we go <laughs> done now it's out tomorrow um but this is the thing people do sometimes <laughs> it's better the devil you know people do get very obsessed with these things and as a coach emma's right it gets really frustrating that you have to work with them sometimes um but i absolutely if you have a coach if you're lucky enough to have a coach absolutely prioritize their advice over any kind of tracking tech 
period. Um, and just quickly on the sleep thing, have you seen what they what you have to do when you go to a sleep clinic? Are you joking that you think a tiny thing on your wrist is going to be able to tell you how much REM sleep you're having versus how much deep wave sleep you're having? Is it fucked? No, James is obsessed with his at the moment. And he every time he's like, look, I'm like, I don't care. Don't show it to me. I don't want to hear about it. Um, yeah, exactly like body fat, you know, and muscle mass scales. It's like, well, do you know, like even a DEXA scan has been proven to be like largely inaccurate. Now it's like the ultrasound. There's an ultrasound machine you can use. It, I mean, and round and round we go. So ultimately, everything's a guess. Everything's stab in the dark unless you have enough money to go to a clinic every now and again and get shit checked out. But that's the thing, like, even I was asked this the other day, like, okay, well, how do you accurately measure your energy expenditure? And like, the only way to accurately do it is to be in a metabolic chamber, which isn't really accurate in terms of like, is this applicable to real life? No, because you just, this this is how many calories you burn sitting at rest in a metabolic chamber. It basically tells you your resting metabolic rate. Yeah. That, so that doesn't say how many calories you're going to burn on your average day. Like, what does my average day look like? How many am I going to burn doing this and this? And I think one of the things just to like hammer this home is that um, we go into this on EIQ and we look at like a couple of reviews of fitness trackers and how accurate they are. And it's not just that they're inaccurate, that they're not consistently inaccurate. So I've had this with a couple of clients who are like, oh, I, then I'll burn 500 calories of cardio. And it's like that, if you were doing running, that might look different than cycling. Like it's not consistently inaccurate. So they can't replicate the same results. So even in terms of that, like just don't use it. Like the other thing is it gets you in the headspace of I'm going to measure my exercise um, intent or like my worth of this session and my workout by how many calories I've burnt. And we sometimes get that like, oh, I did um, Chloe's workout this week and it said I burnt 50 calories less than when I did the gym workout. What Like, does that mean I've not worked as hard? No, it d- doesn't mean, en- literally doesn't mean anything. We don't know what that means. Could mean that you like, that it was a shorter session or that it was a longer session or that you moved that arm around a little bit less because well, there was less lateral raises or- a drop a- water on the watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then what kind of is telling about that as well is when you go into these reviews, they won't, most of the companies won't tell you the equations they're using to work out your calories. So although some of them do, and this makes it slightly more accurate, take into account your heart rate, just because they're measuring heart rate doesn't mean they've added that into the equation because it makes the equation much more complex. Yes. So, and also things like some, some watches will take heart rate every like one minute so how do we know what's happened the rest of the 59 seconds if they took it for that one second and some of them will take it more frequently and some like there's just so many things and because we don't know the equations because they're like patented you can't really (laughs) tell what's going on either um but yeah yeah agreed okay i've got a question from emma which you've responded to so shall i leave that yeah Yeah. okay um penny tips for engaging my core more i have strong legs and shoulders but feel they dominate in training so i don't get to train my stomach muscles as well as i could um you're probably not going to feel your abs your core um working in you know say squat that doesn't mean it's not i'll tell you how you will feel you go and do like a a fucking savage at weighted ab session one day so you get abdoms right then go do squats and then you will feel it other than that you're likely not going to feel it um it i would hope if your form is good it is engaging but if not it's just about bracing so that could be anything from your back to your um abdominals so for example in a deadlift before i pick up the bar i brace i make sure that i'm, I'm engaging i'm basically holding my body via essentially my lats really but really it's just my back um and I'm trying to think in terms of yeah so in terms of the squat then in the lift I make sure that I'm braced in my in my core or my front core um kind of like I'm about to get punched in the stomach like a like that and then you're good to go like I think a lot of people for ages thought it was like sucking your stomach in it's not um but core really for me anyway means front and back and it will change how you brace yourself in each lift um 
But if you if you feel like your core is weak and mine is, um, and you want to uh, make it stronger, you need to just start throwing in some ab work. It can be unweighted, it can be weighted, it doesn't really matter. Um, and and just maybe finishing off two sessions a week with a little ab circuit will be enough, Emma. Yep, I agree. I use that coaching cue as well. Like if someone's doing the plank or something, I'm like, just imagine I'm about to come and kick you in the stomach. Like, <laughs> that is probably what you want to think about. And that should like brace your core. But a lot of it is kind of mind muscle connection. And as Chloe's saying, like, it might be that you're expecting to feel more than you do in your yeah. core. Uh, but I really like exercises like pile off press. So get the band. <laughs> obviously yeah. love the band um that's a really good exercise for core but again with a lot of these things like especially things like pile off press and and wood chops you have to really think about using your core because it's quite easy to do the movement without using your core Absolutely. and just like you're saying kind of let other muscles take over so i would try that um and then Jay? some like potentially some ab specific stuff yeah yeah, definitely. James was doing this ab workout yesterday. I've never seen it before. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, he was lying down on his back. He was like, how have you not seen this? You're a PT. I was like, just haven't. He was lying down on his back with his hands in front of him. And he was just doing basically like, um, like pull-ins. A dead leg. bug. Yes, dead bugs. And I was like, I've never heard of this. I've never seen this. He was like, I have no idea. I can't comprehend how you've missed this. It just fell through the cracks. I was watching him do it. It looked absolutely savage i'm gonna try it penny try it with me this week well do you know what is a really good one for that is if you push it so does he do opposite hand opposite leg yes no same hand same Same hand same leg oh and the side and he does them on the side all right that's opposite hand opposite leg both yeah and does he push on his knee yeah 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 so that's the um that's the bit that makes it really hard is if you're doing like one one side at a time but you're still applying that pressure to your knee and basically yeah. you can do it and as we were saying before you can do it and it's like the easiest movement ever or yeah. you can really apply that pressure intense and it's a really hard movement so you so you make saying, it as hard as you want really yeah he's saying you get like a stick so that in, and you push your leg away and it's like absolute savage i was just watching him do it with his hands manually um with his hands and i was like Never seen it before. It looks amazing. Definitely going to try it. So let's do it. Let's all do it together, gang. Dead bugs for everyone. <clears throat> okay. I'm not sure if this has been answered. Is it possible to lose muscle if you have an area of increased hypertrophy? I hate my shoulders. <gasps> Specifically my traps and deltoids. They make jumpers and tops a nightmare, but because um because i have to go size up because of my shoulders oh i love delts i love delts i got some delts on me now i'm very excited about it um okay so the good and bad news like yes you can lose muscle of course you can but actually and this is good news for like most people it's actually quite hard to lose muscle like your body doesn't want to lose muscle in the same way that it like if you're in a deficit it will prioritize losing fat over losing muscle especially if you're still using it and actually shoulders are used in like everything like in some way in stability um especially your traps a couple of things that if you are quite trap dominant, you can do is just make sure that you're not always like overcompensating with your traps. So not only just like the way you sit, but with a lot of exercises, a lot of people are quite trap dominant. So make sure that you're not, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I get it. Look, I get it. <laughs> I got big traps. I got big shoulders now fuck me did I have to work for them I mean like years and years and years of like doing everything I could to grow them um and I get it sometimes like a strapless dress for example makes you feel like a little bit like punchy (laughs) but then at the same time I feel like that's internalized because when I see it on other girls I'm like oh my god look at her shoulders oh my god (laughs) she's amazing and on me I'm a bit like oh is that a bit much and I really think this is my mother's fault (laughs) (laughs) so I'm tackling it 
ultimately, look, Emma's right. If you are, you know, I've actually had traps pretty much forever. And that is just because it's a muscle that I engage. It's very dominant for me um, when I do pretty much everything. And now I train, obviously, it's like gone through the roof. Um, So Emma's right. Like there are certain things you're going to have to accept. But secondary to that, if you don't want to have a muscly area, stop training it. Done. That's it. Bob's your uncle. Just stop training it. Um, and yeah, that, that that's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, that's the simple answer to it. I I bet you look phenomenal. Yeah, I, like, I bet it's in your own head, this sort of like insecurity around it. Um, but yeah, it, simply if you don't want a muscle group to get bigger, then don't train it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just Wait. quite hard with shoulders because they're kind of in everything even if you're not doing shoulder specific work yeah especially if you have kids but we see mums like pick up their kids and i'm like or like pushing their kids and i'm like it's a good workout man yeah or if you're gonna paint something, something. Yeah. i helped my mom with some painting a while ago and i like i actually couldn't lift my arms the next day and i, I was like i'm meant to be you know quite fit but i would always like run up the stairs and then i'm out of breath and i'm like oh <laughs> in the wrong industry (laughs) okay question from ollie hey guys thanks for keeping me sane with the lives over christmas i've been pretty ill since the 27th 7th okay oh yeah i read that um hot and cold sweats and keep reaching but not actually throwing up oh lovely i think that's meant to say retching but anyway um and i have really bad headaches I am starting to feel okay again today and if the gyms were open I would go but really uh, despise home workouts and just don't want to do them. I try to force myself three times a week to do them but only usually end up doing two. Steps have averaged less than 5,000 for the last 10 days, also run out of money so struggling to hit protein targets. Cheap protein ideas please. Well, first of all, I'm really sorry that you're ill. Make sure that you're fully recovered before you attempt a workout. Because even the home body weight workouts and the, and the home weighted that we're giving you, they're like, they're real workouts. Um, make no mistake about it. Um, second of all, why don't you come up with your own kind of home workouts that you know you'll enjoy? So I'm guessing given that you're a man, and I know this is really sexist, but just because I have three older brothers and, you know, the manliest of all men husband, you'll probably love a push-up tricep dips you'll probably really enjoy I mean there's there's a few things that you can do uh any ab work Ollie I know that you're really into your abs um make your own workout and you can giant if I were you if it's unweighted I would giant set it just so that you really fatigue um and maybe do you know focus on like higher volume um because obviously it's unweighted and yeah do maybe a giant set of say five exercises a little rest period and do five rounds of it and that'll be really beneficial for you so do that uh cheap protein options uh first thing that comes to mind tins of tuna um what what is like what are like cheap protein options you know what if you buy it in big enough bulk like white frozen white fish yeah in the really like big bang for buck in terms of protein and chicken as well the frozen chicken if you go go to the frozen aisle and that's also really good nutritional advice really like fruit and veg because as soon as it's picked it gets frozen so actually retains a lot more nutrients and people are like no fresh and i'm like "Mm," and you'd be surprised yeah only fresh when it's in season yes exactly um also good news is a lot of veg seems to be really cheap at the moment like i got a massive um cabbage like red cabbage for like 14p there you go not protein but still that one sentence i got a massive red cabbage. 14p this is why i love you emma oh cabbage is so good as well i've been I mean, making it in the slow cooker like it's literally been in there for like 12 hours now so i love it but i love it raw cooked crunchy soft i'm into it i'm into a cabbage love it so versatile um, and i would agree with the workout like set yourself a timer plan it ahead get it done i find tabata is quite good just because i am quite likely just to wander off in the middle of a workout if i'm at home whereas if there's a timer on or i'm doing like something to a timer or there's minimal rest periods or the rest periods are being timed then it's less likely that will happen um 
other things you can do like sometimes if I'm doing check-ins I'll do like a round of a circuit a check-in a round of a circuit a check-in like just so you can like if you're working from home that's kind of something you can do like a bit of both at the same time um but yeah I think just stop telling yourself that you hate home workouts as well because I mean I I don't particularly enjoy them usually but I'm actually I'm quite enjoying them and remember that like remember with a band you can do anything basically that you can do in the gym if you get creative enough so there you go yeah right uh last question oh it's quite long should we go into it yeah yeah okay (laughs) okay guess who it's from long question who deb's of oh deb's yes (laughs) deb oh my god love it deb's always like and then i think about this and then i think about this oh well you're gonna love this because this is how chloe and i talk to each other as well but we always have like bullet points and then we'll reply to each other in like different uh colored font so that we know what's we're insane and when I start working with new people or just emailing new people they're like wow (laughs) your OCD I'm like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh I'm like sorry there's not enough time for niceties it's just like hi here's the responses to your points the time you know my brother said to me my brother's a talent agent in the one of the of the biggest talent management groups in the UK and he's like it's so rude when my clients don't message back like hi I'm fine how are you they just get straight to it I'm like you fucking kidding who has the time Jack nobody cares get on with it you're the manager you're not their mate (laughs) exactly okay um I have a question about progressive overload when aiming for hyper for progressive overload with a hypertrophy goal is it better to a complete your last set at the max weight you can manage for the whole set with unbroken reps, for example, eight times uh, 70 kilogram deadlift. B, complete your last set at the max weight you can manage, even if that means pausing between sets, uh, sorry, pausing between reps, e.g. six reps of an 80 kilogram deadlift, but with pauses between the reps. C, do both, i.e. complete the last set at max weight for unbroken reps, then a quote-unquote bonus set at a heavier weight, even if the reps aren't fluid. Context. I'm obviously always aiming for progressive overload, but can't yet rep out deadlifts at 80 kilograms. I can, however, complete six singles at that weight. 70 kilograms... I, uh, sorry 70 kilograms I get more and more comfortable relatively speaking so do I keep pulling at 80 kilograms until I can rep out uh, the last set at that weight or is that confusing strength training with hypertrophy training hope that makes sense uh, you wow. start you've got that all in front of you and you've just read <clears> it <out throat> okay so spoken. I think a good place to start is at the end where it says, is this confusing strength training with hypertrophy training? They're not that different. And actually I just read a really interesting study that's quite new, I think. Um, And it was looking at groups of people and I think it was a 12 week program and one group did four weeks of strength training at the start and then uh, whatever it is, six weeks of hypertrophy training and the other group just did hypertrophy training. And the group that did strength training at the start got better muscle mass results. It's not like they're one or the other, like they're very similar. And like, even if you think about it from a practical perspective, the stronger you are, the heavier the weights you can lift, thus Mm -hmm. the more volume you can create, thus the more hypertrophy you would produce at the end. This question gets asked a lot, like what is the best rep range for hypertrophy? What's the best training modality for hypertrophy? The answer is, the best rep range or set protocol for um, hypertrophy is the range at which you can get and create the most volume over the week. So in terms of this example, like it doesn't hugely matter. I would probably err on the side of doing maybe your first two sets at like 80 kilograms so that you're getting then do like a few sets at 70 kilograms so that you're getting the best of multiple rep ranges and and do them to like near failure um with good form obviously um I probably wouldn't do my last set as my heaviest set 
because your form is probably going to go quicker doing that. So I would start, obviously work up to your working set, but I would start at the heavier set, get them done as a priority and then maybe drop to get more numbers in and uh, more numbers of reps in and create that total volume. But it's the total volume that's going to dictate your hypertrophy response and generally speaking a rep range between like 6 and 15 is probably a good sort of range to stay in within that saying that there's benefits to doing like 6 reps and there's benefits to doing 15 reps and the way that your muscle is stressed and the adaptations in terms of like signaling cascades that are turned on are slightly different between the two which means that although the end result, so what most of these studies measure is muscle protein synthesis result. So the end result in terms of how well it's stimulating MPS is similar. The ways that it's stimulating that are slightly different. And what I don't know, and what I don't know if there's been research on, but makes plausible sense is that if you use multiple rep ranges within the same training program or even within the same workout, then would you be stimulating these different signaling cascades which we know will get saturated quite quickly will you be stimulating multiple ones which means that would that result in long-term better muscle protein synthesis and potentially better hypertrophy responses fantastic answer to a yeah i mean look there's a lot in this there's like a lot here um, I, 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 get, I agree with Emma. The thing that really struck out was that the last portion of it, where you talk about hypertrophy and strength, there is a time and a place for both inside of each goal. Um, so I haven't read the study that Emma's talking about, but I'm keen because it sounds like it's right up my street. Um, it, it might benefit you, Debs, to come out. A, a deload week might benefit you in terms of training. And uh, an ability to kind of uh, increase intensity, which is weight or volume, um, which is sets and reps. So think about that. Second thing, it might benefit you to go into a strength training phase to try and help you break through that plateau a little bit. Um, and or it might even benefit you to do an endurance phase for a little bit and then go back into hypertrophy and help you break through that plateau. Another immediate thing that can help you um, is as Emma said, pyramid sets are really helpful. Now, some people find... Oh, God. Jesus, Bertie. Relax. Oh, my God. I just jumped out of my skin. Shush. Oh, my God. He scared the life out of me. Sorry. When people come to the door, he freaks out. Relax. You're fine. Shh. Sorry. Um, now, people find, and I think this is psychological, that when they uh, maybe start on a warm-up set and then they work up, um, in weight, stop it while reducing sets and reps. Some people find that that's much more helpful when it comes to lifting heavier. Other people, like Emma saying, will find that if you start heavier and then because your muscle is going to start to fatigue, you work down from there, that can help you break through a plateau. Just try both and see what you think. Um, and you said something else that I really agreed with. Um, what was it? Oh, I can't remember. Bertie, I think the, like, the short answer is it, it doesn't matter. No, oh, like, I know what it was. Volume. So um, Emma's right. I mean, everybody follows somebody, especially you, Debs, called Eric Helms. We talk about him a lot. He does, uh, he has like a a review um, kind of subscription service called Mass. And they, they kind of basically, they take um, all of these studies and all of these reviews and they basically break it all down for you. Um, you do have to pay for it, but it's great if you're really into your lifting. Um, and it's really what what I would rather that you did was increase your volume over time. Um, and what will happen with that is you will probably be able to increase your intensity as well. Um, but I would much rather that you were as as you as the months and years pass as a lifter, you do have to start focusing on on more sets and reps. And that's why German volume training is great for somebody who's got a, a later training age, but somebody who's right at the beginning of lifting does absolutely not need to do something like that at all in any way, shape or form. Um, there's a lot to get into here, but yeah. I think it, it kind of, like it's similar to the diet aspect of like, there's so many diets that different people will, will work well for different people. And like some people will get amazing results doing German volume training. Yeah, but other people get amazing results doing something else and it's not to say that that same person wouldn't have got great results doing the other protocol like there are factors that are going to be driving those results and we know that for hypertrophy the main one is volume and yeah. for 
like fat loss the main one is a calorie deficit like yeah and how you want to create that to some extent like isn't like I wouldn't say it doesn't matter but to some extent it doesn't matter yeah like it, it's up to you it's a bit of preferences in there as well and we know that like so much of training is like one we really want you to enjoy it yes. and like two it can't be too boring like if all we did was like the reason that German volume training is quite boring is it's like 10 sets of 10 mm-hmm. for everything like it's just like a bit mundane whereas some of our workouts have like different rep ranges in and as I was talking about like there might be benefits to doing different rep ranges from a physiological perspective but there's certainly benefits from a psychological perspective Definitely. and like actually enjoying the workout and seeing the workout and being like I'm actually quite excited to see if I can do all these reps or yeah like so there's there's other considerations but at the end of the day in terms of your physiological response and your hypertrophy response it is about volume yeah i couldn't agree more and i think perfect point to end on right we'll be back friday yo yes <laughs>